Good morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have gathered for worship, whether we are in our living rooms or our kitchens or on our porches. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We also have a few actual people in our pews who are socially distant as we celebrate Confirmation Sunday for our 19 confirmands for the class of 2020. So we are all glad, glad that you have gathered here with us together. If you're on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or you found your way to us in worship through our website, we're glad you're with us. If you struggle with technology, be sure to find this worship service on our website later in the day. We are on the cusp of our fall programming year. We are excited to offer many small groups, many educational opportunities, and fellowship events by Zoom. If you are a young person, a youth, we do have our youth programming on the lawn, uh, carefully spaced, and that happens tonight at 6.20. We also will host a, an in-person worship service on our lawn at 7.30. It's a casual worship service. You are asked to bring a lawn chair and a mask, um, and we will maintain social distance the entire time. Um, it's a new thing we're doing, and we're pretty excited about it. So please come as you feel called and are able. Um, I would like to welcome and introduce to you all two new staff members who we have been praying for and preparing for. Our first is Nancy Nutter. She's right here on our, I don't know if the camera can, stand up Nancy. Yay Nancy. Nancy is our new director for, of education for children and families. Um, her first Sunday is today and I hope you all will do your part to reach out to her and get to know her on a personal level, especially in this time of disjointedness, we hope that you'll reach out to her. And also over here is Ashley Anderson. Ashley is a student at Union Presbyterian Seminary of Charlotte. She is in our new seminary intern and she will also be helping us with Christian education and programming and worship over the course of the next year. So welcome Nancy and welcome Ashley. We are so glad you are here. Last but not least, everybody should mark your calendars for a congregational meeting. These are tricky to do in times like these, but we're going to do it. Next Sunday, the 20th at 12 o'clock, the meeting will be by Zoom, and you will be able to find links to that meeting on our website, and it will also be in our weekly email for membership that goes out on Wednesday of each week. We really ask that you make an effort to prioritize and attend that short congregational meeting next week. Your continued stewardship and pledges are important to the church and the vitality of our mission. Um, if you would like to make a pledge or a gift today, you can text your gift to 704-734-9818. And now let us worship God. Oh, there are ten thousand. 
This is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please rise as you are able in body or spirit and join me in the call to worship. Come and praise God in the company of God's people. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Great are the works of God, full of glory and majesty. Our God is gracious and compassionate. Our God is merciful and forgiving. Our God is faithful and trustworthy. Our God is just and good. So come, let's worship God together. God's praise will last forever. You all may be seated. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Please join with me in the prayer of confession. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us a future in which we can change, and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. 
In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. It's my privilege today to introduce eight of our 19 confirmands to you all this morning. I'd like to invite our confirmands up um, as we say your name, if you all will come forward. It's been a privilege to work with these amazing and thoughtful young people. And I'm so thrilled that after such a long time, we're finally able to celebrate, introduce, and welcome them all into membership today. Lori will start with introducing our confirmands. I will state for those who are worshiping with us at home that the folks that are here being confirmed this morning represent half of our confirmation class. The other nine or ten will be confirmed outside tonight at 7.30 and two have been previously confirmed. It's my pleasure to invite B. McClellan to come forward. B. is the daughter of Andrew and Courtney McClellan and the very good big sister to Bryce. B. has a passion and a gift for visual arts and she's a student at the Northwest School of the Arts. She did grow up in our Child Development Center and her mentor is Laura Stark. We, if mentors are present, we're asking you if you could just stand where you are in the name of social distancing. Welcome, B. I'd like to invite Nick Vera up. Nick was baptized on September 17th in 2006. He's the son of Carrie and Johnny. He's the big brother of Isabella and the grand, grandson of Teresa Mora. Nick and his family have been lifelong members of Selwyn, and he grew up in the CDC and has, mained, and has remained active at our church through scouting. Nick's mentor is Joe Bentley. I invite Traver Stewart Ford, who was baptized on October 1st, 2006. Traver is the son of Chris and Megan Stewart and is the youngest with two big sisters, Libby and Anna. Uh, his mentor is Kip Kiger. Traver, Traver is active in many sports. I cannot keep up with him. I know baseball is one of them. He's a freshman at Myers Park High School, and we're glad he's here this morning. I'd like to invite Joe Rabel forward. Joe was baptized on May 14th in 2006. Joe is the son of Lori and Rob Rabel and big brother to Maeve. Joe practices mixed martial arts and enjoys gaming. He's a very thoughtful young man. And his mentor is Sam Rayburn. Joe's a freshman at Myers Park. Now I'd like to invite Connor Simmons forward. Connor was baptized on the West Coast, but it's still stuck. Just kidding. Um, he was baptized on December 6, 2006. He is the son of John and Heather Simmons and the older brother to Lawson. His mentor is Matt Madigan. Connor, I know to be thoughtful and inquisitive. He's always ready to pitch in if there's a mission initiative here at the church. And his family has been a part of Selwyn for the last several years, bringing ener energy and joy wherever they go. He's a freshman at Myers Park. I'd now like to invite Caitlin Hall forward. Caitlin was baptized in Ju on June 11th of 2006. She's the daughter of David and Barbara and the big sister to Tyler. Her mentor was Denny Pfeiffer. Caitlin is courageous and kind and a loyal friend and most importantly, she's a truth teller. She grew up in the CDC 
And she can often be found on Sundays in worship in the balcony with Robert Shore. She's going to add so much to our program and to our congregation. Well, we welcome you, Caitlin. And last but not least for this morning is Coleman Kiger, who was baptized here in 2007. He is the son of Kip and Stratford Kiger, the younger brother to Sister Carson, nephew to member Blake Partridge, and grandson to Kaki Newitt. His mentor is Jenny Bergen. Coleman is obviously a third-generation Selwyn member. He is a graduate of our CDC. He has a great sense of humor and is always ready to join in uh, in whatever we're doing here at Selwyn. He is a freshman at Myers Park, and we are so glad you're here, Coleman. Um, I'd like to take a moment to thank the mentors who have been walking this journey of new beginnings with these ninth graders now uh, since last year, a year ago. We know it's a commitment. And we acknowledge this as an expression of the seriousness with which you take baptism. Many of those baptisms which happened here in this sanctuary or anywhere else in the world, we're so grateful to you all. So thank you very much for the mentors. And you all may be seated. Okay, confirmands, I'm going to ask you the three questions for membership. And if you all could just answer as I ask them, okay? If you, um, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and do you proclaim him as your Lord and Savior? Do you? I can't hear you. Real loud. All right. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn away from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world, thus affirming your reliance upon God's grace? Do you? By the power of the Holy Spirit, do you promise to participate actively and responsibly in the church's teaching, fellowship, worship, and mission? Do you? And now there are questions to the congregation, whether you're at home or if you're here in the pews. Do you, members of this church and the broader church of Jesus Christ, promise to continue to pray for, mentor, and guide these confirmands to Jesus Christ and to participate in the raising of all of the community's children and youth for the glory of God, do you? We do. And now we invite our confirmands to lead us in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, God the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in, and in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'd now like to invite our parents to come forward to celebrate the honor of confirmation and the commitment that these youth have made through this entire year. We've invited parents to create stoles for them. Parents, I'd like you to place that stole upon your confirmant's shoulders and then to lay hands on them so that we can pray together. Mentors, I'd ask you to stand with us in prayer.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, strengthen these confirmands with your gifts of wisdom, grace, strength, and love. Grant that they may grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Fill them with the joy of your presence. Increase in them the fruit of your spirit. Help them to experience and trust your dwelling within so that they may count on your guidance today and every day. Remind them that they belong, that they are known, and that they are loved no matter where they go or what they do. Nothing can separate them from your love. Let them feel the love of this church family as they begin a new chapter of life. Reveal to each of them your plan, your good, perfect, and pleasing will for their lives. We give you all honor, glory, and praise. Amen. Congratulations, Confirmands. We are so thrilled to welcome you into membership. Finally, you may all return to your seats. Today we continue with our fall sermon series, Jesus Says, and our text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be looking at chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. Friends, hear now the word of the Lord. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And he who could not pay the Lord grieved to him. He fell to the floor and said, I cannot pay. He said, have you no patience with me? I promise I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him of his debt. But the same slave then went out and came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him hundreds. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay me what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay his debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported this to their Lord, all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave. You had all your debts repaid when you pleaded to me. Should you have no mercy on a fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, Jesus, 
77 times. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I need to take this back a few steps. Like, what does it really mean to forgive someone? Is it really possible when pain can run so deep? Isn't it enough when I just say, yeah, sure, I forgive you? We often learn about this practice when we're young, right? Being taught to say, I'm sorry, and then it's okay, I forgive you. But when something happens that hurts another person, that's hard to do. As we get older and as life gets more complicated, we discover that it's, there's far more to forgiveness than when you bump your shopping cart into someone at Harris Teeter or when a sibling takes away a toy that you like playing with. The truth is that life really hurts sometimes, sometimes in specific and tangible ways that cause us real harm, emotional harm, mental harm, physical harm. And when we hurt, or when someone we love is in pain, forgiveness is the farthest thing from our response. Sure, we hear countless instructions to forgive, but when it comes down to putting it into practice, we struggle. Perhaps because we don't quite know what forgiveness should look like. I have a funny forgiveness story that my family loves to laugh about, and I'm sure they would tell this story differently than I would. But I never knew my true shoe size until I was a freshman in college. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. I have a mother and a sister who both wear size 8 shoes. And as many of you with siblings know, sharing is caring. And in a house growing up with my sister, and because we were the same size in everything, sharing is caring. We shared. But as you can imagine, we fought over shirts and dresses. And don't get me started on if someone would shrink something or forget to wash it and put it back. But for some reason, the one thing we were really good at sharing was shoes. But because my mother and sister were the same size, somehow all the shoes that were purchased were always a size 8. I always thought it was strange that shoes would slip off my feet but I didn't think much of it. I just thought that's how shoes were supposed to fit. And then somehow in college, I went to a shoe store and the woman said, that shoe is a size and a half too big for you. And that's when I learned that somewhere in my teen years, I was tricked into wearing shoes that were too big so that we could all share. Now, while this story is silly and we laugh about it, it did take me a while to forgive them. I mean, I found myself with a closet full of shoes that didn't fit, and they always hurt. Shoes might not be a big deal, but I know that some things are, like accidents that cause death and pain, betrayal of a relationship, someone sharing a secret of yours. That's when it gets sticky. Forgiveness sometimes fails to take seriously the grief and tragedy and pain that's caused by evil. I think you know how it goes. Come on, you can never forgive him. Or you can't let her get away with that. Forgiveness sometimes feels like betrayal, doesn't it? Betrayal of a victim, or of our family, or of our faith. Like, who am I to tell a victim of abuse to forgive the abuser? We can't minimize or overlook evil. 
But maybe, just maybe, forgiveness is confronting the evil and the pain and the suffering. Maybe it's naming it. Maybe it's dealing with it. So I'm with Peter. How often should I forgive? As many as seven times? The tradition was that you ought to offer forgiveness three times. So Peter was incredibly generous when he offered Jesus seven times. No, Jesus said. Seventy-seven, some of the other translations say, seventy times seven times. So we know that's a metaphor for stop counting and just forgive already. And then he tells this story of this slave who owed a king a great deal of money and how he was forgiven. But then that same servant encountered another who owed him money and he refused him forgiveness. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded repayment. When the king heard about this, he was angry and placed him in jail until he could pay his dues, which pretty much meant he was going to be there forever. Acknowledging that we would, that we could ever do something that would require forgiveness is hard. Acknowledging that we mess up is hard. Naturally, we don't like the word sin because it's associated with the sins that we're taught to avoid by our parents and by the church. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't be greedy or prideful. Don't hold resentment against anyone. It's very human for us that we want nothing to deal with guilt in any form, particularly religious guilt. We'd like our religion to be positive and upbeat, and frankly, I imagine if we put to vote, I doubt that that prayer of confession would stay in our morning worship service. Flat out makes us uncomfortable. It's hard, but it's so important for us to acknowledge that none of us are perfect. There's one thing that we all share, that we're imperfect. That, matter, that no matter how hard we try, there's always a gap between who we are and who we ought to be or who God created us to be. But please, let me be clear in this one thing. Forgiveness is not just getting over it. It's not pretending that something wrong did not occur, or forgetting that it happened, or acting like the harm done is okay, putting up with it, excusing it. And it most certainly doesn't mean putting ourselves in positions where we continue to subject ourselves to harm, 77 times is not meant to be a number of times in which one must endure abuse or pain at the hands of another. But what if we think about it this way? What if we think about it as forgiveness and is naming the offense, and then declaring that it shouldn't be repeated? Forgiveness is declaring that the offense will no longer take grip on our lives. Forgiveness, like what Jesus said, proclaims that mercy is what will define us. I think that's what Jesus was hoping for in his teaching moment with Peter when he used the parable to show the disciples that their lives would be marked by mercy. The struggles with forgiveness show our humanness. It challenges us with the hard work of responding in the way of Christ. 
Today, as you all just saw, is an exciting day in the life of the church. As we today will officially finish confirming and welcoming 19 new youth into membership. Today, our confirmands are making a commitment to join a community that's formed and constituted in hard practices like forgiveness. This year's confirmation class was unlike any other. They studied and made thoughtful decisions to join the church during a global pandemic and times of serious social unrest. Difficult times like these make decisions like the ones they made to join faith communities even more important. As they're committing their life to following in the path of Jesus, and we all know that that's a path that calls us into a way of life that sometimes looks really different from the ways of our cultures and our societies. Just like Jesus' parable, the servant was shown a radical form of economic forgiveness that was nothing like the society around them. Our societies look different these days, and we may not always have a map to follow, and yet we still find ourselves here starting a new chapter of faith for some of you, questioning and doubting for some of you, individuals longing for justice for some of you, individuals crying out for healing for some of you, and a community more than anything longing for forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness is not easy. I know this to be true. Our God does not deal with self-serving mercy. We will never be forgiven to have it revoked or rationed. So I leave you with this. Let us together strive for this one thing, one single small opportunity at a time, then maybe seven, then maybe 77, then maybe 70 times seven. May we inch by inch move more into the ways of God's mercy together. Amen. Amen. Let us join our hearts and minds together in prayer. O oh, gracious God, help us to meet you as you come to us. Help us to prepare your way in our lives and to announce your coming in love to others. Take, O oh God, what we give and transform it to your glory. Take, O oh God, what we do and transform it to your acting. Take, O oh God, what we say and transform it to your singing. Take, O oh God, what we live and transform it to your creating. In these days of knowing and unknowing, we are like buds on the trees and we're eager to burst forth into the world but we ask you to hold us gently in place, knowing instead that this is a season of change and the changing of leaves is just around the corner. Hold us gently in place until we are certain in the ways of loving our neighbor. Let us not toss ourselves and neighbor into thoughtless harm. Let us recall that all of life is sacred in your eyes. For every child and also for those with lines of life lived etched upon their hands and faces, including those who may be immune compromised, for those who dwell in hospitals and rehab centers and assisted living, 
and those who also live in tents and under bridges. These two are your beloved, whose care we are blessed to bear. And we seek blessing upon those who have answered a call to care for us in our times of physical healing. No matter what our opinion, our ideology, our hardship, O oh Lord, we hold those who care for us as neighbors. Help us to hear that caring for one another is your command on our lives. Open our ears to hear the tragedy in these times, and not only our own anxiety and grief, that they may come on as blustering words or tired rhetoric. Instead, let us think on how we will make this world better. Instead, let us think on how kindness, however small, we might offer to someone else. Instead, let us remember that our life is not our own, but belongs to you. Instead, let us dream how we might enter our communities to be beacons of hope for those who are living in disorder, to come alongside them while they find order and they reorder their lives. On this day, we honor your steadfastness, your courage, your commitment, your creativity, as we have seen and heard amongst our young people. We give thanks for your welcome of every person to your table, no matter where we live or how we look or who we love. And now help us, Lord, to remember our promise to you that we will care for one another and all those in the world who are suffering as we pray the prayer our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, all we have and all we offer and all of who we are, it already belongs to God. And so now in thanksgiving and in hope, let us offer back a portion of all we have to God with our prayers, our discipleship, our offerings, and our tithes. As the deep planted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though. so much more than anything. You 
dedication. Oh, holy God, we give thanks for this Sabbath day where you have drawn us together as your people. We ask that you receive these gifts of our times, our talents, and our treasures. Multiply them for the good of your will and for the reign of your kingdom here on earth until you come, your son comes again. Amen. Go from here as a witness to what you have seen and what you have heard. Share God's love with all those that you meet. Bring hope to all those who are in despair. Forgive. Live lives of gratitude and praise. And may the love of God and the peace of Jesus Christ and the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit be, and be with and among you all these days until we meet again. Amen. Amen.